Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sap here for the Fightful.com podcast, August 24th edition, brought to you by DraftBeast.com. Football season is coming up, you guys. DraftBeast.com is the place to go. All kinds of fun games there. Uh, and you can get your ass kicked by me, which, you know, is. I want to take more of your money. You all are the reason I have a job, but I want to take some more of your money. Also on it, go to our podcast page, Fightful.com slash podcast. Click on any of the on it links inside of those pages. Check out their equipment, their apparel, their supplements, all kinds of awesome stuff. I am here with Showdown Joe. Joe, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. That NFL, is that arrogance or is that confidence uh, in terms of you uh, already threatening the peeps that you're going to take their money from draftbeast.com. Well, I mean, I am. I am going to take their money. Oh, Jesus. For those of you thing that, that love football, you got to take Sean's money. You got to take Sean's money. I mean, I might, may or may not be doing a fantasy football draft right now as we speak. May or may not be. I might go with May because you love your football. Like I love my hockey and soccer and, of course, MMA. I do. I do. I love my fantasy football. I guess I have to take Devonta Freeman right now. Anyway, we have a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. UFC 202 fallout. UFC uh, on Fox this weekend. We've got Jones-Lesnar implications. We have Ronda Rousey information. We have Bellator this Friday. Also, uh, at the end of the show, I'll talk a little bit about the, the Miz situation that happened. Things of that nature. But yeah, one of the top stories, in my opinion, Joe again yeah of course it's fantastic news for not just the ufc but for for mixed martial arts in general because um she's a fantastic draw people do follow her people want to know what she's up to uh, and especially with this ufc bantamweight division uh changing so much since she was the champion uh you know maybe some people like yours truly just want to see a champion that can go back and reign and actually do something. I mean, from Ronda Rousey, who went to Holly Holm, to Misha Tate, to Amanda Nunez, I mean, it's, it's been crazy. But the fact Ronda Rousey is back training again, uh, it's also good news, I'm going to assume, for, for Ronda Rousey. Uh, she got her head back in check. Everything is fine. Uh, you and I talked at length about you know, potential depression about that, gaining weight. 
and stuff like that. So good on Rhonda. If, if everything's back together, she's training, get back into shape. Uh, I'd love to see her back in the octagon ASAP. Yeah, it's, it's said that she is still dealing with a foot injury, but she's training through it. There, it seems like every other day I see a story. Ronda Rousey's not fighting at 205. We know that. We knew that a long time ago. We knew that Ronda Rousey was not going to be at that New York show quite a while back that was pretty much ruled out. Now it's looking like early 2017. Do you think that that amount of time is too long out of the cage? And what do you make of, of her decision to remain at Glendale? Uh, well, the whole Glendale situation, um, she's going to go with what she deems as um, what's worked best for her career despite that last loss. Um, obviously, the game plan was incorrect going in, going in against Holly Holm the way she did. Um, I, I'll, I'll let you talk about Glendale as soon as I'm done here in terms of the, of the length away from the octagon. But it, it is not good to be away that long. But realistically speaking, she is a very dominant a mixed martial arts dominant fighter in that division, uh, despite what happened with her and Holly Holm. Um, you know, she did what she did for, for an amazing run for the time that she did. And, you know, despite her, you know, getting older by year, so it's, she's going to be fine. Uh, but being away from that long when you know, her prime isn't good for any fighter in general, uh, unless your name is Dominic Cruz. So. I don't like the idea to stay at Glendale for several reasons. Uh, the, the track record for one, how many guys, how many people have we seen think that Glendale was what brought Ronda Rousey, her success, show up there and then leave? What Everybody but Travis Brown has left of note, I think. That's not what brought Ronda Rousey to, to her success, her, her amazing judo background, which she has been taught since, since birth, essentially, has, has, is what brought her there. She... She had a good grappling style in a division in which had none, had very little. And as it turns out, she also had some huge power in her hands too, which took her quite, quite a ways as well. I am all too happy to see Ronda Rousey training again. I hope she has that fire. Um, apparently a reporter walked in there and said hello, and she just said, hey, I'm, I'm fine, but I'm not talking to anybody right now. You think that's the best idea to just kind of keep quiet for a while for her? Oh uh, yeah, why not? Right, like just focus on what you want to do. She wants obviously that belt back, uh, and that's what put her. Uh, that's what quote unquote helped make Ronda Rousey who she is today. Uh, this superstar, uh, you know, this this Hollywood actress as well, uh, gave her incredible notoriety. Notoriety, uh, you know, all the late night TV show appearances, and you know, it, it was because she was the champ. Um, you could make the argument, no, she was going to be a star no matter what. But having that belt around your waist, being the baddest woman at 135 pounds helps. Uh, so I think she needs to focus on getting that belt back uh, to remain you know, legitimate. The fact is when you lose, and she took it hard. We all know that. So Sean, you and I know that. She took it really, really hard. We all, we've hard. talked at length before about the highs and lows about uh, well, being a mixed martial artist. And you know, it's the highest of highs when you win. It's the lowest of lows when you lose. Now imagine doing it in front of thousands or thousands of people in an arena, millions watching worldwide, the mainstream appeal and audience that were watching Ronda Rousey compete and to see her go down the way she did. Um, the, the fact that she's back, uh, she, she wants to get it done. Uh, yeah, she's probably saying, look, 
in order for me to get back to where I need to be, I may not get this title shot right away. She probably will, but she may not get this title shot right away. I've got to earn this. I've got to be one person before I even get a chance to get that belt around my waist. I got to be two people. Uh, I better get focused. I better get back to what I'm doing. She knows what it takes, Sean, uh, to be a champion, not just in mixed martial arts, but do very well in judo, the training and the discipline and the sacrifice that is required. Uh, and the last thing you need, if you're the fighter, uh, is any sort of interference or disruptions from media or people in general. Get rid of the fat around your life uh, and just focus on, on the task at hand, uh, which is once again to get that gold around her waist. The last thing she needs to do, and if it was me or you, Sean, you know it, we don't want to talk to anybody. If we were her, we would want sure. to do what we have to do to get back to that title, and it just means get back in the gym, get the body and the conditioning and the stamina back to where it needs to be. I don't want to talk to people after I make a typo on a story, let alone after getting knocked out while being one of the most famous famous athletes in the world, which she was at that level. Everybody knows who Ronda Rousey is. Every single, like it's, that's, that's the person, like, you know, most people know who Conor McGregor is. Everybody knows who Ronda Rousey is, like at least in this country, if you're plugged into anything at all. I, agree I can't wait to see it. It's, it's, you're, you're bang on. That's an assessment that's, that most people outside of our mixed martial arts bubble don't really understand sometimes because we're so focused on everything that's happening here. I mean, we, we talk about you know, names that no one outside of our bubble ever talks about. We break it down. But people ask me to this day, uh, you mentioned in the U.S., in Canada, I get asked the same questions all the time. Uh, four people, Conor McGregor, uh, George St. Pierre, Ronda Rousey, and John Jones. Those are the four names that are constantly being brought up. Um, we can add the Diaz brothers in there right now, especially with Nate doing what he's doing. And now Nick, Nick's always going to make headlines. But those are the names that people are always coming up to me personally uh, and asking questions about what is the latest with them. Do you think that Ronda Rousey should be immediately thrust into a title fight, or do you think she should get a tune-up fight? Quote-unquote tune-up fight, because... As we've seen, no fight is a tune-up fight when you've got guys like Lando Venata. I guess it's it's which, you know, what theory do you subscribe to? Are you asking the question, you know, even you can answer this question, but in two ways. Are you asking uh, as the mixed martial arts traditionalist and purist or the promoter? Because whatever makes money is what the promotion is probably going to do. And if that means putting Ronda Rousey uh, in a title fight is going to garner a lot more than just putting her in a tune-up fight, you can imagine what they want to do. But if, if I'm Ronda Rousey, maybe that tune-up fight is what I want uh, just to get it back in there because of the time away from the cage. Uh, I would elect uh, to go with a tune-up fight if I was her and her management and staff uh, and her trainers just to get that juice flowing again. It's a risk because why not fight for the title? Because if you win it, you're back on top to where you need to be. But um, it's there's a big difference when you haven't fought in that cage for that m- amount of time. You have to get n- – nothing you do um, – You know, I, I know that in, in the last show, the last Titan show, Freddie S. Sao told me that ring rust is a myth. Uh, and then he went out and disposed of, um, you know, uh, of Jay-Z Cavalcante. I, I – tend to believe ring rust is, is not a myth. Uh, who am I to say when he proved me completely wrong when he choked out uh, Jay-Z? But for the sake of argument, I would probably go for a tune-up fight uh, before anything. The thing about Ronda Rousey is a return fight of any sort is going to be a money fight for her. It doesn't matter who she fights. People are going to tune in because they're just interested. They're just interested to see what she'll do. Uh, and 
be a Sun Sal. He he would be one with he's got plenty of experience in having the the ring rust. I remember I think it was a year, uh, about thirteen months between fights, and then maybe a year and a half, and then I think another year and a half. Like he's he's had plenty of it, so he would know. But Ronda Rousey's a little bit different. You got to wonder if those gaping holes in her game that a Freddie Asuncao, as a veteran, may not necessarily have. The blueprint has been drawn up on how to beat her. So yeah. that, that's 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 something to watch out for. I mean, Freddie Asuncao, all due respect to him, there's no real blueprint on how to beat that guy. Yeah, well, yeah, what is he, 9-1? and one? Yeah, I think 9-1. and 10-1, and one, I think. Ten one, and he's he's got the strap around his waist. But yeah, I mean, it's man. So the question you originally asked was, should she not really ask, but in terms of should she wait that long to make the return? Well, now that she's back in training, it's now time to work on those holes, work on that deficiency that caused you to lose that fight. Perhaps reanalyze what it takes to to go in strategically to a fight. I mean, I think it was our very first podcast or our second podcast that we ever did on Fightful.com. We discussed the whole Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm thing, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it was the same analogy that, you know, we, we talk about in some other fights. Ronda Rousey coming into that fight with Holly Holm and saying, I'm going to use my boxing and, and knock her out was just kind of like, no, you're not. You can't do that. Because what if Holly Holm turned around and said, I've learned judo. I'm going to use my judo to beat Ronda Rousey. No, you're not. You're going to use your strength to beat her. And Ronda Rousey didn't really use her strengths uh, to defeat Holly Holm. Too interested to see how that goes. Uh, guys, if you are watching this for like the first time on YouTube, go to Fightful.com. Lots of cool stuff there. Tons of exclusive stories up today. I had a story up. Uh, Georgie Karakanyan wants to kill Bubba Jenkins this Friday, Joe. He said... The only difference between this fight and the last one will be that he's not going to tell the referee when he's out, when Bubba Jenkins is out, and that he wants to kill him. That is a direct quote, not not old clickbaity fun or anything of that nature. Legit quote from Georgie Karakanyan. What do you think about, about things like this, saying things like that in the scope of MMA and promoting a fight? Well, you know, you, you got to choose your words far more correctly than, than saying like that. I mean, you want to kill someone. I mean, okay, it's not – you shouldn't be saying stuff like that. Uh, but then again, you have to look at the context of, of, you know, how many people outside of the MMA bubble are going to read that, are going to take that seriously. If that was somebody uh, in, the, in the higher higher end of the hierarchy of the UC saying something like that, there'd, there'd be some really bad, you know, other media coming in from the outside and, and really ripping apart – um, the, the person that would say something like that, as well as the promotion, um, choose your words carefully. I mean, look, look what happened with Frank Mir. It cost him a, a, a color commentating gig, right? So it's, you got to be careful when you say things like that. I don't think it's necessary. Um, there's other ways of promoting a fight despite any sort of animosity you have. Uh, strong words, um, you know, you and I are going to laugh it off, obviously. Some people won't. I think it's, it's, it's not the right um, – persona you want to probably give uh not just for yourself but for the sport in general it's still i mean there's, there's people out there that still think the sport is is a bunch of dudes stepping up a bar stool uh half drunk getting into a cage i mean people are still thinking that you go and say stuff like that oh there you go see a bunch of knuckleheads lots of crazy stuff going on this week did you hear about the brock lesnar situation in the wwe joe 
no, I usually rely on Sean Ross Sapp to give me that type of information, either via text and or Fightful.com and or this podcast. Well, you can get it all on Fightful.com or this podcast. I'm going to explain you what went down. By the way, you were the only person out of a dozen people on our staff to correctly pick Charlotte defeating Sasha Banks for the women's title at WWE SummerSlam. You have to understand, when it comes to the WWE hustle and my, my knowledge of sports entertainment, you have to do it eloquently and in a manner where it's very, very slow. The hustle is slow. When you play somebody out, you let them win a few times. You wait a couple of events before you really slam it down. And I'm pretty sure if you believe that, there's a bridge on the east side of New York, Brooklyn area, I could probably get you in on. So here's what happened. Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton had a match. It main evented SummerSlam the other day. The match ended when Brock Lesnar, as planned, threw down legit elbows to the head of Randy Orton. They do not blade, as they say anymore. They don't cut themselves with a blade to get blood. So I guess I don't know if they think a safer way is having a former UFC heavyweight champion elbow a man repeatedly in the head. Because, you know, if it's what, that's how you do it. If you want to cut somebody, you throw an elbow. It did it all right. Ten staples it took to close Randy Orton's head. Blood poured out. He was in a pool of it. They stopped it via TKO, which is – that was the plan. That was the planned ending. Nobody backstage knew that. None of the wrestlers knew that. So Chris Jericho, a veteran, he's been in the ring for a long time, stormed to what they call gorilla position, which is where – the producers and everybody is at Vince McMahon, Triple H, uh, Michael Hayes. If you remember him from Freebird fame, Joe and Jericho demanded to know what the hell's going on. Was this supposed to happen? What's up? And Michael Hayes, who was in the know, was like, "Don't worry about it. That's in bad taste." As I say, you don't work the boys. You don't do that. You let them know what's going on. So Jericho's still wondering what's happening as Brock Lesnar comes through the curtain. Brock Lesnar tells him to mind his own business, and Chris Jericho didn't like that. He still demanded his answers. Uh, Jericho Lesnar pushed him, and Jericho rushes Brock Lesnar. This <laughs> continues when they get separated a little bit. Lesnar kisses Chris Jericho on the forehead and then says, Kiss me back, pussy. Chris Jericho gets in his face again. Uh, I heard Lesnar used some sexual slurs, in which we won't repeat on the air. Lesnar held his arms behind his back and said, hit me or kiss me, bitch. Jericho still was going after him. The confrontation was broken up. Um, Vince McMahon rushed in and said everything was a work, everything was a work. Triple H defended Chris Jericho, saying we probably should have let him know what was going on. I got to say, Chris Jericho, in his career now, Joe, has gotten into physical altercations with Goldberg and Brock Lesnar and won the one with Bro- Goldberg, mind you. Put him in a front headlock and dragged him to the ground. <laughs> Some balls on this guy, you think? Uh, it's causing me to reevaluate my, my quote-unquote time with Chris Jericho because there was a show, a very popular show up here uh, back in the day uh, and I was a guest alongside Chris Jericho. Uh, and we got into a little bit of a, I wouldn't say heated discussion, whatever step below heated is, passionate, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And it was in and around the time when, in two, it was 2006. 
Uh, Italy had won the World Cup, and the infamous um, uh, Zinedine Zidane headbutt on uh, on Marco Materazzi in the World Cup final. And uh, you know, I had to play the sort of the part on the show. Uh, I had to play sort of the a course that would hurt. Uh, if you got headbutt in the chest, and he's like, that wouldn't hurt. I've been hit with much more. I said, yeah, but you're doing other stuff, blah, blah. And he was just going on and on and on and on and on. And it was getting pretty hectic. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? In my head at the time, being you know a mixed martial arts analyst and stuff like that, it's like, dude, I, I, I cover real fights. Uh, not to say that you know, those chair shots that you don't take and the falls that you take and blah, blah, don't hurt. But let's settle down for a second. We were doing this for the show. And now that I think about it, this is a dude that went after Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. Hey, man, kudos to Chris Jericho. That dude is an absolute monster, fearless. Uh, and he's got a pretty big brass pair uh, to want to do that with Brock Lesnar, who you know is a former UFC champion, who you know just fought, uh, what, a month ago or so uh, against Mark Hunt, um, despite being all whatever, uh, allegedly jacked up on a bunch of stuff, but still a legit mixed martial artist, and going after him in what could be a more dangerous situation in quote-unquote uh, a street fight uh, backstage because the things can get totally different. Um, yeah, good on Jericho, Sean. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, he's a pretty I'll, – I'll, I'll take him in my corner if I'm in a dark alley and need some help. Yeah, why not? He told a funny story in his book about when Mickey Rourke was booked for uh, WrestleMania, and there were some issues between the two sides, and – Apparently, there was a situation where Mickey Rourke was afraid the WWE guys are going to shoot on him because of that wrestler movie or whatever, but they had booked him for it. So the guy that Mickey Rourke brought with him was Frank Shamrock. And Vince McMahon didn't know who he was and was like, (laughs) I guess saw him and was like, what, that little guy? And he was like, I'll get Dean Malenko or Fit Finley. I can't remember who it was that he said uh, would take him. But, yeah, that was a funny story. Chris Jericho's books, all very good, mind you. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy stuff. Speaking of Brock Lesnar, news uh, came out today that apparently he may not be facing the type of suspension that many thought. And I had speculated this before, that he and Jones had taken the same or failed for the same substance. They're looking at one-year bans, not two-year bans. How do you feel about this, Joe? Um, if you've taken a substance in your system as a professional mixed martial artist and you're, you're there to hurt someone and now you're jacked up. I don't, I don't believe in one year suspensions. I believe in two year suspensions. I believe in, in, in Jesus lifetime suspensions. If you have to do it because you're, you're, you're we'll just, you know, I, I, I'd gotten in Dana, not, I should say I got in Dana White's face. We had had a discussion uh, after a uh, uh, pre-fight press conference, not a post-fight press conference, about this issue. And I then wrote an article uh, for the, the for Sportsnet at the time where I said, you know, we're just all we're doing here is we're, we're just treading above water, man. We're, we're getting in deep water here, and eventually something bad's going to happen. And if it happens in the octagon, in the UFC, uh, where someone unfortunately passes away in a mixed martial arts boat, and then later it's found out that it's because somebody was – or that person that, that – quote unquote killed the other person was juiced up, jacked up, it is not good for the sport. It's I mean, I hate to say done, but that's it. It it's it's what all the haters have always wanted. So no, you should not be taking anything in your system. But as you speculated, and the same thing with John Jones, and, and you know, we, we took Brock Lesnar at, at I guess face value when he said, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. Um I just want to know more, more about this um estrogen blocker. 
Uh, and is it, was it in a supplement? Uh, I'm still freaked out about the whole clembuterol thing. Who was it that took that had clembuterol in their system after eating meat? That's crazy. A couple of people, a couple of people actually, you know, from what I know about clembuterol, it's, it's, it's something that's ingested, uh, whether it's with a spray or something like that in meat. It's been, uh, it's been, there's been like a public warning about that though, about meat in China being tainted with that. What do you make of that? Do you think that's a legit thing? Which obviously we're not in China. We're not ingesting this stuff. I don't know, Sean. Like how, how, what kind of levels does the meat have to have? Clembuterol we're talking about, dude. Clembuterol. What kind of levels in that meat would have to be in that meat for you to ingest it and then be in your system like that? That's crazy because your body's digesting it. Your enzymes should be able to get rid of that. I understand if it's in a supplement where it's heavier. Or if it's you actually take it, and then it's synthetic, and then it's in your system. In meat, dude? What the heck kind of meat yeah. are they serving in China? That's crazy. It's weird, man. Like, And USADA's got some gray areas. Like, We don't know. Like, When a guy fails, you can't write him off as guilty, and you can't write him off as innocent. Like, it's The area is that, that shady, that murky right now, where you just never know what's going to happen. Because we've seen so many weird things happen regarding these suspensions, Joe. That's but that's you know what? That's an amazing point right there. It's it's to the point now where it's like someone fails a test or a report comes out and we're just kinda like, Wow, let's just wait a month. Let's just because I mean the whole thing about USADA coming in was the fact that um remember when Dana was so pissed at the media? You guys got what you wanted. You guys finally got it. This is now, now we're, you know, they had the press conference that they're doing stuff with USADA and blah, blah. And all of us were kind of like, finally, finally, they're, they're testing the they're testing the guys and girls. Uh, we're going to get clean fights. Uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And now it's actually uh, uh, something we never even really thought about where it's actually the, 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 you know, USADA that we're looking at. Can we even trust these guys right now? Like what's like, I mean, you're calling it uh, shady and, and I'm thinking that it's just, it's not working. You know, this is not how it's supposed to be going down, Sean. This is supposed to be a situation where they're, they're tested, round the clock, 365 days a year, random tests, anytime. Uh, come with me. I don't care if you're having a date with your wife or you're a female fighter and you're with your husband, with your kids, blah, blah. We show up. You come with us to the bathroom. You pee in a cup. You stick out your forearm. We're drawing some blood, and we're going to see if there's any synthetic testosterone or anything in your system. Now we're kind of like, hmm. And this whole thing about John Jones, Sean, that you know he's he could be getting off soon, and the talk of him now fighting Anthony Rumble Johnson potentially, as opposed to AJ taking on Daniel Cormier, holy smokes! Like, goes back to our last com or conversation or two conversations ago, where it's like John Jones got screwed for UFC 200. If he's innocent, oh my god! Yeah. Oh, if I and that that's what I've wondered is like, I don't know if they sign away their ability to sue by entering into this program because I, I'm just not aware. I should probably find that out. But if I'm John Jones and I see that Conor McGregor just made an estimated 15 million at UFC 202 and UFC 200 had an awful lot behind it because as Daniel Cormier said, Brock Lesnar was his Christmas gift card was a Christmas gift to everybody else on the card who got pay-per-view points. I'd be pretty pissed off. Meanwhile, now now Jones has to sit around and slap box with Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa in his free time. <laughs> did, you, did you see those videos? 
I haven't yet, no. Oh, they're great. They're great. I'm having Justin Golightly do a technical breakdown of Wiz Khalifa and Snoop Dogg's slap boxing abilities. Coming soon to Fightful.com, you guys. It's Can we it's just great stop for stuff. one second? You said there's a report that Connor made fifth, potentially made $15 million on this fight? Uh-huh. <laughs> About Come that? on, man. He was guaranteed three. He was guaranteed what? A dollar for every pay-per-view sold? I, I don't know. Holy and you don't know above man. what you don't know above what point that kicked in, or maybe it was every pay-per-view. It's really hard to say. Fifty let me, let me million see. to fight Nate Diaz. I mean, um and you wonder why I think he should fight Nate Diaz in a trilogy bout. And say, sorry, Jose Aldo. UFC, here's the belt. Oh, yeah. Take, take it off. Take, take the, the belt. belt. I'm not fighting Jose take Aldo for, for $3 million when I can go back and fight Nate Diaz at 155 and make another $15 million. I did a feature. It's underneath our exclusive section if you guys want to check it out about all of the options that Conor McGregor has. And he is the absolute best I've ever seen in the world of fighting, period, about not thinking one step ahead, thinking five steps ahead. He was at that press conference. How many fights did he set up? How many options? That, that, that infamous one. He set up four or five different fights. And the irony was it was somebody who wasn't even at that press conference that brought the fight to him. It was unbelievable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down the list of, of some of these options that he has, actually. Uh, Fightful.com under our exclusive section. He has that UFC unification match with Jose Aldo if he wants it. He has a trilogy fight with Nate Diaz if he wants it. He has a light, lightweight title match with Eddie Alvarez if he wants it. Uh, he can keep jawjacking with Floyd Mayweather, and they're going to keep making headlines, and he's going to keep getting hits on his Mac Life YouTube page talking about it. He's going to do all kinds of stuff. He's got number five option doing a one-off in WWE, and apparently he's got movie offers too because Michael Bisping took one of his movie offers when – uh, he took the fight with Nate Diaz. He has just a plethora of choices. He did say no more 170. John Cavanaugh doesn't want him at 145. Well, that leaves one one slot, one chance. And John Cavanaugh wants him to fight Eddie Alvarez, win the title, and then face Nate Diaz. What, what do you think of that plan? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Just nope, Nate nope, Diaz? Nope. Fight Nate Diaz one more time. Get that payday. I'm sorry. Get that payday. He's now a prize fighter. He's a money fighter. Uh, get that payday and then go after uh, Eddie Alvarez, uh, win or lose versus Nate Diaz. Although it would make sense if he loses to Nate Diaz at 155. But then again, stranger things have happened in MMA. Uh, and, and before you continue with um, Conor McGregor thinking five steps ahead, let's remember Chael Sonnen in his prime, how he used to do it all the time, picking fights yeah. long before uh, he's even stepping in the cage with whomever. Uh, ahead of time so he's he, these guys get it um and, and god i hate saying it over and over again sean but the blueprint is there for every single mixed martial artist in this game to follow do what chael sonnen does do what conor mcgregor does you may not be able to do it to their caliber because it's not in you you're not that type of person but there's ways of doing it i mean you're, you're a fighter why do you want to have a full-time job or a part-time job to supplement your bills when these guys are making $15 million because all they're doing is they're yipping and yapping and causing havoc and this, this, and that, when it's all said and done, they never have to work again. Half these other fighters, unfortunately, giving up just as much as they are physically and mentally, 
are going to have to look for jobs or open up gyms or look for, for analyst gigs when their career is done. The, the blueprint's there. I couldn't agree more. Um, you got to take the, the money fights, but Dana White says, no, we're going to reserve that. We're going to wait for it. Big news today out of Bellator. Rory McDonald heading that way. No surprise here. Look at whose management is. Same management as GSP. Same management as uh, a certain Gilbert Melendez, uh, who had basically had that Who's deal. That? You mean you mean Giblert? Giblert, correct. With the UFC reacting for him, that is correct. Giblert. I can't believe that. I, That's I, even crazy. He but. should. When- this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. He was suspended. He should have done the old pro wrestling thing where you get suspended, you come back under the mask, and he's Giblert Melendez. That's a very good point. Uh, for those that don't know, that was a nice little UFC Reebok. Um, that, was the, that was the launch, right? That was the day of the launch on oh, yeah. the site. Yeah. And they just, people there were, were like, and there, were oh, God, of, there were a ton of guys like Glace and Tebow who people didn't realize that's not his real name. And they, they would have these fighters real names on these Reebok kits. And they're like, who the hell is this? Like a lot of people don't realize that's, that's one of the things I don't understand, Joe. People are like, oh, I'm CM Punk. That's not his real name. Well, Mirko Krokop ain't the guy's name. Chet Congo, that's not his name. Glayson Tebow, that's not his name. People just don't realize this. Um, there's there's a, several others as well. But yeah, that yeah, Rory McDonald. Now this is the latest because Phil Davis, Matt Mitrione, Rampage came back for legal reasons. Ben Henderson, they're they're becoming players. They're they're giving people options. I've got a feature on this coming very soon as well. What are your thoughts about, about about this big move? This is a really big move. Big move for whom? Right? It's for big move for Bellator. Well, yeah, that's that's a good point. Right? Like, how how many extra rating points is Rory McDonald going to bring to Bellator? Mm, that's that's right? that's an interesting point. Right, he's he's a phenomenal fighter, 
doesn't have any sort of cachet with the mainstream crowd, right? He's just, and, and, and I'm, I'm a Canadian. I'm Canadian. I'm telling you that. <laughs> I mean, there are people that have never heard of Rory McDonald. When I talk to them about the UFC and mixed martial art, they may say, who was that guy that, that, that was the next GSP that they were talking about? I, I, I said, you know, Rory McDonald. Oh, whatever happened to him? Well, you know, he fought for the title. He lost and came back and lost again. And, you know, great fighter. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, he just doesn't have that personality. Uh, and they try. We Actually, the media tried calling him, uh, what is it, a Canadian psycho, serial killer, stuff like that. It's like, you know, we were all trying to help him uh, get this persona. But he's just a chill dude. Doesn't care. Does Just wants to relax, just train, uh, you know, whatever. Go in the woods, do, do whatever he does. I mean, even Faraz told me. Faraz Zahabi was just like, yeah, he's a chill dude, man. He's just relaxed. And I'm like... Oh my God, he's, this is the window of opportunity for him to make as much money as possible. Now, this contract with Bellator, no doubt in my mind, Sean, he's made a lot of money. And the fact that UFC, now think about it for a second. The UFC turned it down, okay? Think about that for a second. It's probably very high. Uh, and Or they're like, whatever, you want to go to Bellator? Well, Matt Mitrione's getting six figures. People wondered why he was so happy to fight after he didn't get concussed in that fight uh, because he's making six figures. Brendan Schaub said that he was like, dude, what are you doing? And then Matt Mitrion told him what he was making. He was like, whatever. <laughs> right? Well, so it's it? just, you know, I mean, I think Rory, I mean, Rory's going to win that title. I really think he's going to win that title. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, but at Me the too. same time, it's, it's what does it really do, uh, even for his own career outside of the, of the paychecks he's getting from Bellator? Um, hopefully he gets a boatload of sponsors. Uh, I hope he walks away from the sport five, ten years from now, uh, a multimillionaire. Uh, but I don't know what this really does for Belter. Again, unless we're talking about inside our own little bubble uh, that we're going to watch him fight, that we're, you know, we're happy for him sort of thing. But the overall thing, um, interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on the, on the assumption uh, that his management, who are fantastic, by the way, um, probably got him a lot of dough, Sean. A lot of coin there. Oh, one would imagine. And I, like I said, I have a feature coming up on this. Bellator is really polarizing when it comes to signing, getting rid of people, even under the Coker era, because they've let guys like, and now that aren't necessarily draws, but really good fighters like Blag- Blagoy Ivanov walk out the door. Uh, Frodo Gospelive, I can't pronounce his name. Even before that, Ben Askren, you know, Will Brooks has left. I put together five five or six names, including like, I think it's Volkov that left and Minikov that is pretty much gone. And out of, you know, they've let really good fighters go who I think out of 18 fights combined, there's one loss between them. They've let a lot of talent slip through their fingers, but now they're, they're looking to get more talent. And they also had the Bellator kickboxing thing. That's an option for all of these guys. Matt Mitrione got a broadcasting gig out of it. So in, in addition to those six figure paydays, he's getting, he's getting paydays on the side where he, he's announcing it. So plus the sponsors, that's not even factored in. They can uh, uh, sell their own sponsors too. There are a lot of peeling things about Bellator, Joe. There is, I'm, I'm, but I'm always wondering what's, what's the, what's the next move? Um, you know, and, and, and I think we all of us hate using the same thing that, that Dana would always throw in our faces. Viacom's got, you know, billions and billions and billions yeah. of dollars, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they're not really going to put it towards anything with Bellator when you think about it. But there's obviously a, a budget there uh, to state that, you know, if you're going to pay a fighter a lot of money, you're going to get it back some way, somehow. So, I mean, that's just business one-on-one um, for, for, you know, your expenses can never outweigh your revenue or you're done. 
right? So, sure. I don't know exactly what the deal is with you know with, with this contract, but um, as a mixed martial arts from a fan perspective, even as as someone like you and I covering the sport, I think it's fantastic. You know, I, I, I want to see what Rory does uh, in the cage. There, I mean, it's crazy what we saw with Ben Henderson. Uh, we thought him leaving the UFC and getting a good deal over at at Bellator. We, you know, we'll see him with a belt around his waist and, and not take a beating. But uh, you know, strange things happen in Bellator, I guess. We don't have to talk a lot about this Friday's Bellator, but who you got in the main event, Ben Henderson versus P- Patricio Pitbull. Now, mind you, Patricio Pitbull told me he was he didn't even want to go to 155. He had no desire to go to 155, but Bellator approached him with this fight, and he was like, yeah, I guess I'll do it. In fact, he told me that he wants to drop to 135. Wow, that's insane. That's, that's borderline insane. But in terms of the prediction for the fight – um, I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people uh, think. Um, I've got to wonder if, if, if Benson is As is tradition with Ben Henderson fights. <laughs> What's that? As is tradition with Ben Henderson fights. Yeah, but I, I just think that as long as he is, as Benson goes in there, um, not in – I shouldn't say that because I could probably be eating crow after this, but in killer mode and, and not really focus on the fact that you know he's got time to win this fight – uh, I think he does emerge victorious. I think eventually uh, he does what he do, although Pitbull is, an, is just a monster still. I mean, it's just, you know, you, you think after all the wars that he's been through that he's, you know, he's going to start slowing down. He's still a monster. So we'll see what's up. We got UFC on Fox this weekend. We will not be bringing you a post-show live Saturday. I will be at uh, the BB&T Arena in Northern Kentucky at you know, Northern Kentucky University doing color commentary and play-by-play. I'm a, I'm going one-man booth for Absolute Action MMA, Joe. I'm looking forward to that. I think I can do it. Tell them they can fly me down, and I'll be hey, more than happy to join you. I'm sure they will. I bet they will. But we have some interesting fights on this show uh, is there anything outside of the top three or four fights that really stands out to you? Well, um, Shane Campbell and Chad LaPreeze were always going to get my attention. But, yeah, that main card is fantastic. Uh, Sam Alvey's being Sam Alvey. I mean, I saw some of his interviews. He's just been crazy. Uh, but other than that, um, I, wonder, I mean, if Kevin Casey – can get the clinch with Sam Alvey and get that fight down to the ground. Alvey's got some long-ass limbs there, Sean. Just saying. Gosh, it seems like – I was going to say it seems like Casey fought last month, but he did fight about two and a half months ago. It was the week that his father-in-law, Muhammad Ali, passed away, wasn't it? It was just maybe a day or two after. Correct. Man, but there, there are some real bangers on this fight card. Jim Miller versus Joe Lozon. Cool, man. <laughs> are we going to see a bloody affair again? Do you think? I mean, they UFC knows what they're doing when they match these two guys up with anybody. I mean, you look at Jim Miller, who he's fought lately. Takanori Gomi, Diego Sanchez, Michael Chiesa. And then Joe Lozon, they do it, they do it with him too. Who has he fought lately? Uh, Diego Sanchez talking about me, Michael Chiesa. So the revolving door continues. And it's hard to make a prediction on fights like this, but if gun to your head, who do you say? 
I'm going to go with Joe Lozon, Sean. I think I think Jalen's going to do it. I mean, he's just he's just, they're both awesome dudes. I mean, they're both they're different guys uh, personality wise, uh, but they're just they're the guys that you know you you see at a party or you see at a wedding. Uh, you you just hey, what's up? How's it going, man? And, and and they'll talk your ear off. They're always smiling ear to ear. They're great dudes, but they get into the cage and it's just boop, switch on. Let's go kill mode. Um, I just think Joe Lozon is going to have a bit more for Jim Miller, despite the fact that Jim did what he did to him. Uh, was it a year ago, two years ago? Let me look. I've got it right here. Um, where 2012. Four years 2012, ago. 2012, yeah. I was, I was looking for it on Jim Miller's page, and as it turns out, he's fought 800 times since then. <laughs> it wasn't even in the window to where I could see it. He. He's fought nine times since then, which isn't that much, but so there, a there's lot more a perfect than example I of when when you and I first started talking about me talking about mixed martial arts fights being a blur. It's all there's no yeah a- annual or yearly thing. It's all a big blur sometimes. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. One time, way back when, uh, I was walking. I just recorded the show UC Central at the time, and I was so we were on the main floor of, of a massive building. Uh, the studio and stuff like that. And I had to go upstairs back to my desk, uh, to, I think to do, to, to type a voiceover, change something over. And I'd walk by, there was an intern sitting there and his eyes were gawking at uh, Josh Koscheck versus Tiago Alves. Right. And I'm walking by and I stopped and I'm like, Oh no way. It's uh, oh, okay, cool. And as I walked past, started walking past the table or the desk where the fight was on going to my desk, I'm like, Josh Koscheck, Tiago Alves, Josh Koscheck, Tiago Alves, who won that fight? I don't remember. I get back to my desk and I type it in there. Oh, 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 yeah. And I looked at the date and I'm like, I covered that fight. I looked it in the system, <laughs> full feature, full preview, full recap, interviews with both fighters. And I was like, oh, my God. My, th- I've seen too many fights that I don't even remember who beat who anymore, when it happened, and blah, blah. There's another example. Joe Lozon, Jim Miller, four years ago. And I thought it was last year, maximum two years ago. Crazy. The the friend that I often talk about, who I will not refer to and put him over by name because he always it's like, haha, heard you put me over on the podcast. We will only refer to him as sarcastic Krylov fan. He always remembers the numbers and the dates of pay-per-views and shows. And I'm like, how the hell do you remember that? This is how I make a living, and I can't remember that. It's unbelievable. Uh, one more fight up the card. Paige Van Zant taking on a big 115-pounder in Beck Rawlings. Paige Van Zant, her first loss in December to Rose Namajunas, coming off of Dancing with the Stars performance. How do you think she's going to look? Um, yeah, I, I, I've been. It's a weird fight when you think about the matchup, uh, and like I said, Beck Rawlings is is not a joke. She's not going to be a pushover at all for Paige Van Zandt. So unless Paige Van Zandt, in my opinion, gets very, very technical uh, and, and basically sticks and moves with Beck Rawlings, she's got to stay away from Beck. She has to stay away from her uh, and really use footwork because I'm not sure she wants to engage with someone unless it's the third round, unless it's, it's you know, Beck potentially tired at this point here uh, where it's slippery and you can sort of do more things on the ground. Uh, if I'm Paige Van Zandt, you better just simply move, stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. Uh, with Beck, I think Beck's got the power to really hurt Paige uh, and really stop this fight very, very quickly. Uh, I'll, I'll give the edge to Paige Van Zandt in this fight, but you know, 
if, if Beck gets a hold of her quickly in that first round and starts laying down a beating, this could be a, a short night for Paige Van Zandt. Paige Van Zandt, for as young as she is, does a lot of things right. She really does. Like, I hate it when people compare to, compare her to Sage Northcutt because I'm like, if, if Paige Van Zandt were a man and in the same weight division, she would mop the floor with Sage Northcutt, at least from the grappling exchanges I've seen from Sage Northcutt. Like, it's, it's not even the same. That division in which Paige Van Zandt competes in is young enough and is, I don't want to say shallow enough because it's a good division, but it, it justifies her being in it. Sage Northcutt's does not. Most people are Sage Northcutt's size. And I, I just don't like those comparisons. Like, there was, uh, I, I, I think it was Kayla Harrison that was the, the Olympian, the judo Olympian who was asked about MMA, and she said, well, I want to do a sport where you don't have to rely on your looks to get what you need. I'm like, I don't know what sport you've been watching, but a lot of these girls aren't exactly centerfold models. And no disrespect to them or anything like that. I'm not going to name names, but there are a lot of people who have been very successful, made a lot of money, won titles. And I I just think that's ridiculous. I think that – I think that's a, a weird a thing. I remember when India Gomez said that, and she had kicked up this big fuss about 135ers in the UFC strippers. Well, then what happened when she dropped a 135 and faced some real competition? She got her ass kicked and got bounced and hasn't fought since. Oh, well, was it strippers? Did she get her ass kicked by strippers? How'd that work out? I think that's weird. Paige Van Zandt, I think, is deserving of where she should be, and – She's, I won't say a big star, because Dancing with the Stars is really overblown, I think, in making stars. Because who the hell won season three of Dancing with the Stars? Do you know, Joe? Oh, hell no. Hell no. I I bet you anyone that watches that show, you can ask them the same question. They're not going to recall back then. But the the, the one thing about Harrison's comments, and they were a bit of a wake-up call momentarily for me, but I thought to myself, I'm not sure what you've been watching, my dear, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a sport. And... It's not judo. It's not. I mean, it's not. Don't only talk about the IOC and stuff like that. That that's just ridiculous. But uh, even you know the judo world is 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 you know by, by most accounts from people that I've spoken to, even Ronda Rousey said it is beyond corrupt. So you know at, at least in, in in MMA, it's it's maybe it's not transparent as much as we want it. It's it's you know you get paid and to really get paid, sorry, you either have to. Um, you know, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't blame Sage Northcutt for the way he looks. I don't blame Paige Van Zandt for being as beautiful as she is, and and stuff like that. They could still fight, though. Um, you know, you know, Sage isn't as good as we think he is. He's still young. He still has plenty of time to grow. Paige is a badass, you know, and she just happens to be absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, and you can look at Beck Rawlings and say she's absolutely beautiful. I mean, there's so many, but they've got skills and they are ass kickers, and that is fantastic. Now, uh, with Harrison in general. She's, she's, she's pretty. I mean, she's not the, what, like you said, she may not be on the, not what you said, but just in general, maybe she won't be uh, on the cover of a magazine anytime soon. Who knows? But she's a badass. She's got skills. Yeah. And if you have the skills to come into MMA and hurt people and kick some ass, you're going to get paid. Who cares about, it's just a small window of your life. You don't want to talk shit. Don't talk shit. Who cares? Just win and fight. You ain't going to get paid as much. We still get paid. Charles Oliveira taking on Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis, I believe, dropped to one forty-five for this, right? Pettis, yeah. You think that's the right move for him? 
Well, what is the right move, Sean, when a guy was the former champion at 155 pounds, a guy we all thought uh, was just going to go on this ridiculous run uh, and, and was just this absolute killer. I remember in Milwaukee when he tapped out Ben Henderson for the title. I was just like, are you, you just did that? That is the most amazing thing. That's coming off a few fights before that. That's- where it was the Matrix kick. That was one of those fights I sat down, and you know, there are some fights you want to be, like, over quickly. The majority of fights, you're like, I want to see something spectacular. I sat down for Pettis Henderson, ready for five rounds, ready to take in five rounds, and I got four and a half minutes. And that was a submission. I remember that arena. I don't know what it, what it, what it sounded like uh, on the pay-per-view, but the arena was kind of like it paused, and we just watched our eyes glaze over. And look at Anthony Pettis right up to the top of the cage. We look back at Ben Henderson, and we're like, oh, what's that? And the, the crowd erupted. He submitted him. That was crazy. It was just it was the weirdest thing to see in a fight where a guy submits someone. You don't really see the tap, and he just takes off, and you're like, what's just, what just happened here? But it all felt like it was in slow motion. Um, but And then, you know, then he goes on. He loses to – to RDA, it, you know, it just goes on. He loses three fights in a row now, and now he's dropping down to 145 pounds, taking on Charles Oliveira. It's almost like we're, we're waiting to, to go back to that Anthony Pettis that was so dominant, that was in the pound for Pellis, uh, that everybody was saying is going to be the greatest uh, for, in, in his generation. And it's just like, what just happened here? You know, and, and it almost, it's almost like RDA did such a number on him um, that he, he, he has yet to recover. And he's looking for answers. How do you go from being the best in the world at one weight division, lose your title, lose two more in a row, and say, that's it, man. I, I can't fight at 155 anymore. I'm going to go down to 145. It's just, it's, it's really crazy. It's, it's, got, it's kind of the same mentality, or the opposite mentality that I have with Damian Maya in the main event, who in his quote-unquote prime was fighting way above himself, got a title shot with Anderson Silva, and now was on his tear at 170. Imagine if Damian Maya was at 170 this whole time. Oh yeah. Uh, so who do you? How do you think that that fight Pettis and Oliveira will go? Oliveira recovered from the dim mock esophagus tear that uh, Max Holloway did pretty well. Came back just a few months later, tapped out Miles Jury in three minutes. So Anthony Pettis, he's coming off of three straight losses. Three straight losses to to really good talents, really good talents. But you think he'll be able to 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 get back on track against Oliveira? And if not. What do you do with Anthony Pettis after four straight losses? Well, the real question is, do you really recover from Dimock? <laughs> no. All right. So no. for those that don't know, uh, Sean and I will never give up on the Dimock theories because it's the most dangerous martial art out there. And every UFC champion and, and fighter has it somewhere in there. We just don't see it as often. Um, what do you do with – so first things first, uh, as crazy as it sounds um, – Pettis has competed twice this year, okay? He's fresh, okay? Now, the, the loss to Eddie Alvarez uh, was a split decision. Uh, the Edson Barbosa went the distance as well. Uh, may have been unanimous. That's fine. Um, but Charles, I believe, hasn't competed since last year, okay? It was eight months ago? Yes. December, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. you know, it's not ring rust, Sean, per se, but I'm going to go with, with even though that, Anthony hasn't, or Anthony hasn't won in his last few fights, last three fights. He's the fresher fighter. Uh, and if the weight cut is good, if he has a great weight cut, fantastic. Or do we look at that and say, dude, you're screwed. Like 
you lost three in a row, and now you've, you're cutting down uh, an extra 10 pounds. If your weight sucked at 155 and you do 10 more pounds, you're in big trouble, whereas Charles Oliveira has done this for quite some time at 145. So a lot of variables in this fight here. I will lean towards Anthony Pettis because there's this nostalgia in me that just wants to see him you know, resurrect the greatness that he had and, and, and the amazing striking and, and, and submission game that he had. Uh, I'd love to see it, so I'll, I'll lean towards Anthony Pettis, but, you know, MMA, dude, we don't know. We just don't know. It's not the best fighter that wins on every night. GSP says it all the time. It's the best fighter that night. Damian Maya versus Carlos Condit. This is, I don't want to say, because it's, a, okay, I'll kind of say it. This is sort of a callback to the old matchup styles of the old UFC, but let, let's not play around. Both of these men would have slaughtered anybody in, in in that era. They would have. But if this goes to the ground, you know what's going to happen. If it stays on the feet, you know what's going to happen. Carlos Condit, Damian Maya, such an intriguing main event, Joe. And it, Carlos Condit is a guy who said that he wasn't going to fight unless he got a title shot. That ended up not being true. Is there any way we could pause this podcast so I can go watch Damian Maya's last three fights and Carlos Condit's last two fights just so I can come up with a prediction? No. Okay, so in that case there, I'm going to lean towards <clears throat> Damian Maya in his last three fights has been hit less than 20 times. Am I correct? Okay. I'm pretty sure you're correct. That is ridiculous, okay? Because who, th- 30, those last three years. fights – what's that? And 38 years old, too, doing right. this. And, and, and to do that at that age, we're talking Neil Magny, who's a, who's a crazy striker. But then again, that went two rounds and a half. Uh, Gunnar Nelson, which we knew was going to be a submission fight uh, between both of those guys. And Matt Brown, who's, let's face it, a killer, murderer. Yes. Uh, except for his last fight. We, we're not, we'll, we won't talk about that. Um, at, at the time, Matt was a killer. Okay, And that one went three rounds. It went 29 seconds from going the distance, okay? Um, Damian Maya doing what he does at that age and what he does in the octagon is ridiculous. Now, Carlos Condit, you know, is the natural-born killer for a reason. The guy is unbelievable. So it's, like you said, it's a style-versus-style fight. We know what's going to happen in the stand-up. We know what's going to happen if it gets down to the ground. The question is, um, can Damian Maya get in close enough to Carlos Condit uh, and can Carlos Condit make the right decisions when he's striking uh, to be careful with the knees, uh, to be careful with the kicks, to use the footwork, to not have his back you know, within two to three feet from the cage where Damian Maya can really close the distance uh, and take it from there? That's the real question. Um, do we believe Damian Maya is on this final run where a defeat of Carlos Condit has to give this guy a title shot? Um, you know, whether it's Steven Thompson next or not or whether Tyron Woodley wants money fights, uh, Damian Maya is there. I mean, in, in my opinion, but um, as to who's going to win this fight, you're going to have to check out my article on Fightful.com. That drops tomorrow, by the way. Well, one of them does, one of your features. Uh, he's writing for us all the damn time, guys. All, kind, all kinds of stuff. And if you sign up at Fightful.com, go register. Absolutely free. You get access to Showdown Joe's columns, Vince Russo's columns, uh, some of Jimmy Van's columns, our owner. Uh, some of my columns, Brandon Howard, you get early access to exclusive podcasts. We have a new podcaster in which once pen to paper is made, 
Well, once once that's done, we're going to announce him. Knows uh, the worlds of wrestling and MMA very well. Joe, you know who it is. Don't say the name, though. Fair enough. Very, very fun stuff. But, Joe, I think we're, we'll try to do the show maybe Sunday, the post-show. We if will, possible. If possible, I'd be more than happy to do it. Correct. I want to wish you the best of luck, though, uh, with your commentary gig. Uh, you got a wedding coming up, don't you? I have a wedding coming up next Sunday. Not this Sunday, next Sunday. So I will be gone that entire weekend. I'm quite afraid that the entire site's going to explode in my absence. <laughs> I wouldn't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea what Sean does to keep this site up and running. Uh, you've heard me mock him many times. I just wish that I could actually get there and ensure that he does get to bed, despite us two having completely opposite sleeping patterns. This yes. guy is still awake when I wake up every day at 6.30 a.m. Uh, to attempt to get a workout in on the other side of this monitor. Uh, this guy's just, he, he's barely going to sleep. So he's an animal and an extremely hard worker. Uh, and he's, I, I'm honestly, Sean, I, I don't, I don't envy you uh, <laughs> only because doing color, listen, doing play by play and color is very, very taxing. I know when I do the Titan shows and it's, it's five and a half to six hours. Uh, I'm glad I've got Kamar Usman to my right. I'm glad we go to commercials because there's only so much the human voice can take. So I want to wish you the best of luck. I can give you any piece of advice with my experience, warm water and lemon. Uh, that'll keep you going, but don't drink too much because uh, if you don't have any breaks, you ain't going to the bathroom, son. And I know what it's like <laughs> two shows in a row when that main event comes on at Titan FC. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my, please don't let this go 25 minutes. I can't hold it anymore. I want to do color commentary, wrestle a pro wrestling match, and do podcasts in the same weekend sometime. I think that would be fun. But I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. Joe, we will bid you adieu, and I will talk a couple of minutes of wrestling before I go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you, John. All the best. Take care. So this Miz thing, guys, pretty intense. Uh, good for him. Good for him. He's a, considered a baby face by many today. Uh, I, this He did all this very much in character, despite the way that it, it went down, because that's exactly what his character would think. His character does think that he's the hardest worker. His character does think that he deserves it. Keep in mind, he was shit on by the WWE locker room for a long time. When he won the title, Triple H refused to shake his hand. He's had Daniel Bryan picking on him for years. He's had a lot of stuff like that. And here's the, the scope of why everything happened. This was the story of, of, the, of the argument. Daniel Bryan said, I don't like the way you wrestle. You wrestle like a coward. Miz's retort was, I wrestle the way that I wrestle because it lets me wrestle. Because I can wrestle for 10 straight years and not get hurt, which he's done. Meanwhile, Daniel Bryan smashing his head into things caused him to retire and miss over a year of action multiple times. Kind of hard to disagree with that from a character perspective from The Miz. Longevity, he's able to make a living for he and his wife. Daniel Bryan is making a living for he and his wife, but not in the way that he wishes he could. I kind of agree with the Miz's character, and that's a weird thing WWE does. They, I feel bad for Daniel Bryan for what happened, but 
WWE doesn't make their baby faces that sympathetic. Sometimes the heels, the things that they say, it's like, well, yeah, they have a point. Interesting stuff. Uh, programming note, as always, letting you know about this stuff. The show with Vince Russo will now be on Friday afternoons. We'll be starting a new Thursday afternoon show with our new podcast co-host very soon. We were hoping for this week, but it's looking more like next week. I'll keep you updated, though. Fightful.com, that's the place to go. Please go there and register. Uh, you registering for free is very important to us. It A lot of our success hinges on that. Also, join in on our viewing parties. We fixed our comment counter on the stories so it doesn't look like you're running around in a ghost town. You'll see what people are actually talking on and things of that nature. Uh, if you want the show on audio, you can go to our podcast page, fightful.com slash podcast. Get it direct download. Uh, subscribe to our RSS feed or stream it. Thank you guys so much. Please visit fightful.com. Share it. Let people know about it, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and follow us at Fightful Online, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you, guys. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.